It's the True Penny Show with your host, James True Penny. Discuss one of her favorite favorites. How are you, Mom? I am good, James. Who'd ever thought we'd be here over thirty-five years? I don't know if it's over thirty-five years, but it feels like it's over thirty-five years of Jushin Thunder Liger. Just about nineteen eighty-four. He joined the well. He tried to join the New Japan Dojo. They weren't having it, um, and he said, "To hell with you! If you yeah. won't let me wrestle here, I, I go to Mexico." I will go to Mexico, and I'm going to become one of the greatest professional wrestling innovators in the world. He did. And he, and he did. In the process. Um, but thankfully, New Japan officers were there talking to CMLL at the time, because the CMLL New Japan deal goes back a long-ass way. Yay, <laughs> we're back again. It's like, it's like the whole circle is coming back together. It is. It might be New WA. But yeah, I said it might have been UWA back then because they were the, the other big promotion in Mexico at the time. You think um, so? I, I'm not exactly sure. I, nah, it, I, I don't think about that. But anywho, um, certainly, just Jushin Liger was starving, and the New Japan officials saw him and took pity on him and invited him back to the New Japan dojo, and the legend was born. That that is true. All those are facts. We cannot argue with the facts. We can't. And, and he, he, he dreamed. He dreamed to be an in-ring competitor, and he was like, to hell with you, New Japan. If you <laughs> won't help me, I will find someone that will, even though I do not know Spanish at all. I know, oh, right. This happened to Ultimo Dragon as well. What was yes, going on with New Japan like officials in the 1980s? Were they on drugs? Well, obviously they were. It was the 1980s. But were they on really good drugs? Because they're really bad ones. Because it is like, there was Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid and that era, and then everything kind of went a bit screwy as far as their talent scouting was concerned. They fixed it all in the end, but mm -hmm. yeah. Anywho. Uh, um, but yes. I can't exactly remember why they told him no. Um, oh, he didn't meet the height requirement. That's what it That's was. It. Yes, yes, he was the too The height and weight requirement. Yes, he was That, that was the thing. Hmm. Um, but having said that, in his senior year, he only lost the final of the National Wrestling Championships to Toshiaki Kawada, you know, that famous heavyweight, and he was the only person who could beat him at amateur level in straight-up shoot contests. 
which made him pretty tough, really, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but he did indeed eventually join the New Japan Dojo, where he joined the class of 84 with Kiyeji Muto, Masahiro Chono, and Shinya Hashimoto, a bunch mm-hmm. of good wrestlers, only one of whom currently still wrestles at the Kiyeji Moto of Wrestle 1. Doesn't wrestle very often. Was in Portland recently for a company called Defy, who you know quite well. Yes, yes. Yep. Matt is a lovely person. And, um, yeah, I've got, we've got a great relationship with Defy. I will always support Defy. And I am just very, very happy, you know, with yeah. them. And, you know, this year's, you know, at least them being involved with New Japan. Um, I don't exactly know the extent of the relationship, but I do know we, we had a fantastic year with Defy yeah. and New Japan. Same thing with New Japan and Rev Pro. And yes. CMML now. Time to bring the Luchas back into the game. And Ring of Honor, no, not so much. But anyway, that's the story. For yeah, yeah the we, we don't talk about <laughs> Dishonor right now. I am quite upset with them, but at least they tried. That's all Ring I'm going to say. Yes. Anyway, um, where was we? Uh, yeah, Matt Farmer, by the way, excellent uh, wrestling historian too. Uh, you should listen to his show on MLW. He's actually really, really good. Uh, I've become good mates with him through Twitterverse talking Ooh. as well. What was we? Keiji Muto, Masahiro Kono, Shinya Hashimoto, otherwise known as the Three Musketeers. Now, Keiji Muto, uh, sorry, I'll try that rugged again. Uh, uh, where are we? Keiji Yamada was mm-hmm. a rookie, went and uh, wrestled uh, all the way through the Young Lions Cup in 85. He did not finish, uh, so he did not win. Uh, he was defeated by Shunjo Kasigi. Uh, and into 1986, he started working on the main roster, receiving title shots at the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Um, Black Tiger. Now, Black Tiger is better known as Mark Rollerball Rocco in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he would, those two would make magic together in a few months' time. But let's just talk about this. One of the people he did face in, his, in, in, uh, in the IWGP Championship Challenge matches they had as a rookie was Nobuhiko Takada of the UWFI. And if you go back to the Beginner's Guide to Japan series, much earlier, we, we talked an awful lot about Nobuhiko Takada. It kind of showed really at the time New Japan was in this transitional period. The junior heavyweights especially. Dynamite Kid left the company. Uh, Tiger Mask had left the company. They were looking for new stars. And you kind of get the feeling that Liger was in the right place at the right time to be that breakout new star. What do you think of him in his pre-Liger days, Ash? And what, do you remember much of him? Or do you kind of see him just as like, that was one well, person. Liger is the, the real deal. Well, one, I was not even thought of at the time because, you know, I wasn't born, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. born until yeah. 87. I'm the only I, old enough on the Troopany show to talk with any authority about this because I was actually alive because I'm old. Anyway, carry on. Because <laughs> you're old. Um, any pre-existing, you know, pre-existing like, memories I have of Liger is probably like, you know, when I was really, really little because, and I mean, a tiny, tiny Ashley. Who yes. dreamed of being a lucha one day? Didn't complete wrestling training. How disappointed my family was. But anyways, <laughs> true story. I, I oh. decided to go into art. And right. here we are again in mm-hmm. wrestling media. So what did that degree do for me? Not a damn thing. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. Um, any pre-existing memories I have of Liger is probably... Uh, as a child, mm, 
what I can remember is just anything from WCW when they would have New Japan over. So mm-hmm. I can't really talk much about the early years between 84 and 86. So I will let you handle that. <laughs> well, I first came across Yushin Thunder Liger in 1986, and it was on All-Star Wrestling Show. Um, he challenged Mark Rocco for the World Heavy Middleweight Championship. Mark Rocco is just an awesome professional wrestler. Now, Mark Rocco started working for All-Star in 1981 after his time with Joint Promotions, which was the big company in the UK. All-Star was starting to make waves by booking traditional television from the US market. They would do well. They weren't doing television, but they were doing shows that were sequential. They told a story over a series of months, which meant much more creative freedom for British wrestlers because they didn't really have that before in Joint Promotions, what the Crabtree said went. And he took that freedom, and he was also working for New Japan Pro Wrestling at the time as Black Tiger, where he was earning the bulk of his money. Um, so he was doing tours for New Japan Pro Wrestling, coming back to the UK. And he, the relationship that the joint promotion had with New Japan kind of faded away, and Mark Rocco moved it to All Star Promotions. So when it came to doing a couple of tours for seasoning, uh, the UK was the obvious choice. And mm-hmm. he challenged for the heavy middleweight championship and won it in 1986 and he would defend it on television a couple of months later uh in and uh, it was just it was like blew my mind i hadn't seen anything this good in a long while here was this kid rocco i think william regal described him as what in a lost trapped in a beer can like that kind of attitude like pissed off all the time <laughs> He was intense. And here comes Yamada, who's this fresh-faced, willing to do anything to get over, you know, brilliant wrestler, brilliant technical wrestler, tough as they come, and they just tore houses down. No one has seen this in wrestling rings on a regular basis since the late 70s when Mark Rocker wrestled Marty Jones. And this was just insane. Keiichi Yamada had influence from the Dynamite Kid who was working in the dojo at the time when he first started in 1984. Then Dynamite used to call him Frankie, mm-hmm. Frankie Stein, because he had this like bowl haircut, which made him look like Frankenstein's monster. monster. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so Dynamite called him, Frankie, and everyone knew him as Frankie Yamada. That was that was his nickname in British rings because of Dynamite, because um, Dynamite was working for All Star by this point. And yeah, it was just it was just blows your mind what he was doing. He was doing things that were like rolling back elbows, and just stuff you'd never seen before. This kind of mm-hmm. mix of style wrestling with uh, mixed martial arts it was just something completely fresh yes. and no one had ever seen um and then he comes back with flying funaki that would be masakutsu funaki who would of course be end up being the shoot legend a couple of years later when uh pro yes. bombs and pwfg ended up being a actual shooter in ufc as well so he kind of has a big influence obviously we talked about takada Liger's trying to mix that, though. He's got this mixed martial arts influence. Well, mixed martial arts influence, as it was then. He's got the pro wrestling style from the traditionalists within the New Japan Dojo. And he starts adding this gymnastic look, this aerial look to what he's doing. He's kind of the total package at the time. Yes. uh, You know, and... Yeah, I mean, he started, in my opinion, he started innovating, you know, pro wrestling in general as a whole. I would say, I would say probably around, according, you know, to what I've written, because as you know, I've written an article, not to put myself over, 
in regards <laughs> to Liger's to retirement. But, and it was fantastic. It was amazing. People enjoyed it. I got a lot of compliments on it because there was some history to it. And a lot of things people did not know. But at the age of 19, I would say around between 19 and I would say in his 20s is when Liger actually started innovating pro wrestling. I mean, he was adding martial arts into pro wrestling. And like you said, you know, he created this completely er new aerial style in, a, in an aspect. You know, he, I want to say that he introduced the, was it the Insiguri kick? Yeah, uh, not the Insiguri, yeah, not the Insiguri that, oh, I'm going to pronounce it, it's on there somewhere, it's the, oh, um. So I was like, about, I could be wrong on that, but. Yeah, no, he didn't, he did invent it, he was the first person to do it in, in, um, that's in right. Wrestling. The Abazegi, Abazegi kick, the Abizegi rolling kick, rolling kick, yeah. Yeah, the rolling kick. I was yeah. like, I could be wrong, and which I was in that aspect, but I did. Don't worry, in my article, I'm pretty sure it was correct. Um, the innovator, personally, you know, my favorite move, which is the shooting star press. Ironically, mm -hmm. from Fist of the North Star, what at the time, definitely one of my favorite mangas. Still very popular from my sources in Japan. You know. And uh, funny thing is, you know, uh, it was in, I think he introduced that in August of 1987, which would be the month before I was born, because I was born in September of 87. Are you saying yeah. you were born under a shooting star? Exactly. That move, right. I feel, was for me. It Aww. was for me. In my heart, that move will always have a special meaning to me. Aww. And definitely um i would say one of my favorite high flying moves not a lot of you know a lot of people do do the shooting star press but if we're talking current day i would say the best shooting star press and i will say it to this day will be from matt seidel yes he's insane it is <laughs> beautiful yes it is very true uh bad shooting star presses chris jericho was trying to learn the shooting star press in a swimming pool and was being taught by Jushin Liger on how to do it because he was getting ready for the Super Liger character uh, and broke his arm. Yep. So, you know, uh, you can get... Yep, not as bad as uh, Brock Lesnar's. No, true. Uh, <laughs> Brock Lesnar's shooting <laughs> stuff, WrestleMania, uh, one of the <laughs> biggest fails in wrestling industry history. Um, it, he, he had no business doing that to begin with. <laughs> like, <laughs> no business in general. Even I was like, oh why are we doing this i mean gravity I physics i remember back in the day there was a big conversation between alex shane and uh, ben spindler on the day of squash back in the old wrestle talk days about the fact when alex shane was booking uw uh, uh xwa i think it was one of the xwa f uh, the british promotion fwa that's the one when he was promoting fwa he had james ty who was a very good british wrestler at the time who did a standing shooting star press. And um, it was talking to him one night, and he said, you know, he said, you know, sometimes you look like you're going to miss it. And he went, yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm going to miss it because I'm <laughs> patient, right? And he went, don't ever do it again. <laughs> um, said, why? Because you will brain yourself very hard if you get it wrong, and it looks stupid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> An so, another really good shooting star press, Ricochet. 
One of the best oh, ones too. Yeah, very true. But this list is very short. It's a very <laughs> short list. Um, my opinion, Matt Seidel Matt will always Seidel. have the best shooting star press. And I've even told him it is probably the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He gets so much air and it's, I have never seen that man miss that move ever. It is. Yeah. It's, it's outstanding. Right then. Uh, Moving on with Liger, I mean, he did spend some time in Canada. He went and trained under Stu Hart and was presumably hurt quite a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, when he returns to New Japan, he's had his excursions, never won the IWGP Heavyweight Championship as Kiyuchi Yamada, but he mm-hmm. debuts in 1987 um, the Jushin Thunder Liger character. Now, obviously, oh, sorry, uh, 1988, uh, he debuts the Jushin Liger character, actually, funnily enough, coming back after the tour where him, him and Funaki came to the UK for All-Star, literally a week later, they were wrestling like Croydon Town Hall in front of 400 people. They were, he was wrestling in the Tokyo Dome a week later as Jushin Thunder Liger, which yeah. is insane how the wrestling world works. So they go, he goes to Tokyo uh, as Jushin Liger, and they, they develop the character from an anime character, obviously, Yep. <laughs> I know he's called Jushin Liger by Gona guy, and it's this otherworldly creature. Now they'd obviously had success with Tiger Mask in the early '80s, and as all Japan at the time were having success with Tiger Mask too. But to me, of all the masked wrestlers of all time, Jushin Liger holds a special place for me because he is such a otherworldly character in comparison to everything you've seen in New Japan Junior Heavyweight Wrestling down the years. I mean, if you go back mm-hmm. to this era. Everyone else looks pretty much like a straight up and down junior heavyweight. It's very black yeah. trunks, black boots, kind of straight ahead wrestling. There's a bit of color there, but they're not like the colorful character that Liger is. And he stands out so much in this field. And, you know, he had really good <laughs> junior heavyweights at the time. Koshin, uh, Shinro Koshinaka, who's going to be at his retirement. Of course, the late great Owen Hart. He was IWGP heavyweight champion, the first Gaijin IWGP junior heavyweight champion. There's all these great wrestlers, but he still stands out by a mile. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about Owen Hart all day, you know. As could I. I I, I was more of an Owen girl than a bright girl. And me and Courtney always talk about this. Like, that's where we related. (laughs) Was that we were always more into Owen out of all the hearts. Um, Very sad day. Very sad day when he passed away. I was watching that pay-per-view very um, live. I used to watch every pay-per-view religiously, and that was the one that I missed. Yeah, I, I used to watch it when it was on. Very sad day as a child for me, but... Yeah, it, well, Owen was, to me, Owen, the first time I saw Owen was wrestling Marty Jones for, well, no. The first time I technically saw Owen was in 1983, 84, when he first came to the UK and mm-hmm. tagged with Iron Fist Clive Wires against Dave Finley. That's Dave Finley Jr.'s dad, and Rocky Moran. And it was yeah. the first time for German suplex, and it blew my mind. Yeah, like, very. You know, yeah. British ring, British rings were eight foot rings at the time. They were tiny, so he couldn't do the German suplex rope to rope. So he did it from the corner post. So we had room to do the bridge. Yeah, um, <laughs> very, very lovely thing to see. Very beautiful. Yeah, just, the first time seeing the bridging German, it was just I insane. For, I for yeah, I forgot y'all didn't have what what is it twelve by twelve or sixteen by sixteen uh-uh. now. Oh, no, no, yeah, back then it was 8 by 8, 10, by eight. 10 God, damn. 
Yeah, it was like, tiny. <laughs> and absolutely, because they were so small, they were so stiff. Yeah, and because that makes they were sense. So stiff, they, that's the reason where the world of sports style comes from is because you couldn't take big bumps because also they weren't getting paid enough because they were all back at work on Monday morning. So they couldn't take big bumps. So they had to they developed this smooth style that was very mm-hmm. sport based, basically. So they had knees and backs by the end of the week because they were wrestling five or six times a week as well as keeping day jobs on them. Yeah, that makes sense now. I I, yeah. ha- I honestly had I've never looked into like, you know, I was at one time going to work on this feature about you know different rings and stuff like that and the history of the pro wrestling ring. Which you know you know what I might do it now you know because I can. Sure. But it'd be really yeah, interesting. But that I did not know exactly. I had no idea that that's how small um, the UK rings were originally. Yeah, but now sixteen foot standard. Because of the standard, yeah, because you can get more people in the building with 16 foot rings. If you have a 20 foot ring, it actually takes out a front row, so it does that. That is true. So, when you're dealing with a thousand seater building, you want as many people in that thousand seater building as you can. So, if you have a 16 foot ring, you get an extra 40 chairs in at 20 quid a ticket. So, that's you know, uh, 800 pounds. Yeah, I don't think it's 20 per ticket anymore, James. I know, but I was just saying, like, rough mathematics in my head. <laughs> anyway, because I know because I get those Rev Pro emails telling, oh, yeah. telling, telling them to market, telling them how what to market the price of the tickets, and I'm like, that's still pretty. I, and a part of me is like, oh, oh, well, that is still a good price. <laughs> I, I am almost tempted to go. My local wrestling company in Grimsby, under the old the old one, was still charging five pounds a ticket, no matter where you sat. That, <laughs> now that I ask That's you, who reason. the real winner was? Was it the crowd? Was it the uh, performers? Was it the staff? And if uh, you ask me, I say all the above. You could say that, but there was a big <laughs> wrestling one of those shows. There was a massive round, and threatened he threatened everybody with a chair. So you know. I'm not sure oh. anyone there. <laughs> anyway, moving <laughs> anyway, moving on. on. Next <laughs> next uh, few years. Next few years. Position Liger. Okay. All right then. So Liger starts his run in 1988, and he becomes this incredible junior heavyweight that um, really kind of sets the tone for what's happening in Japanese wrestling. You know, he's part of this golden generation, along with the Three Musketeers. New Japan is growing massively. They're doing the Tokyo Dome, sometimes up to four times in a year. They're selling out everywhere they go. He's got loads of great people to work with. But there is this bubbling under, as you go through the 90s, of this massive burst in junior heavyweight wrestling. For the first time since the early 80s, junior heavyweight wrestling is the important thing. And you don't just have it in New Japan. You have people like Randonawa, Great Sasuke, uh, Super Delphin in Michinoku Pro. You have people in FMW like Takamichi Noku um, and uh, growing their styles. You have, well, he's Michinoku Pro as well, but he was also wrestling for FMW. You know, you have all these great junior heavyweights in different companies. And Liger was the first person to really suggest, hey, wrestling's wrestling. Let's wrestle each other. And then you get this talent swap between around about 92 and around about 99. Mm-hmm. This year period where essentially the greatest junior heavyweights who ever lived are all wrestling each other <laughs> all the time. 
And it's just mind-bending because that because something that could never ever happen now. Well, that's why we have cup tournaments now. Yes, it is. But exactly I, that's I, that's where I'm Sorry, James, I didn't mean to cut you off. And I was going to say, like, that's where my belief in theory is, is how we came across all these, like, cup tournaments. Yes, definitely. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's the Super J Cup, which was, you know, uh, essentially started in New Japan. And it was what became, we still have the Super J Cup today, that a certain person you know quite well won this year. Um, <laughs> hey, I, that... Like I was so James, I was so heartbroken when they didn't do Super J Cup for like a few years. I was so heartbroken, and I was really excited <laughs> that they brought it back this year. I didn't care how crappy the venues were. I did not care. I was just so happy. I was so excited, and sadly, we couldn't watch it live. But I remember like people were like sending me results on my phone. Okay. I was getting like results. Via DM, via text message, they would send me videos and photos, and I would, yeah. And people were telling me that El Fantasma was not going to win, and I was like, "Oh, he's going to win. He's going to win <laughs> the tournament. Y'all don't see it, but he's going to win." <laughs> well, I mean, as well, going back to the tournament, as we were saying, you know, he became this incredible booker of professional wrestling in the same time period. You know, he was developing this booking style that was telling stories within the junior heavyweight division. And he did become this cross-promotional figure that held the whole glue together. I mean, the first Super J Cup he booked. The second Super J Cup was in um, war, wrestling and romance, and was booked by Ultimo Dragon. But mm -hmm. Ultimo Dragon brought in you know, big names from Michinoku Pro, uh, from FMW, he did the job. He, he made sure everything was really cool and clicked and worked together and brought in the biggest yeah. junior. Uh, and the Super J Cup has always been like that. You know, the Super J, the last Super J Cup, this one, the one before that, that was run during the G1. Uh, yeah, that was so good. It had people from Noah, it had people from all Japan, people from... It was out. mixed very, yeah. very well. Yeah. So, you know, they still try and make the Super J Cup as broad as they possibly can to celebrate junior heavyweight wrestling. Best of Super Juniors is about who's the best junior heavyweight in New Japan. The Super Juniors Cup is, isn't junior heavyweight wrestling great. And that's really what's been the theme of it for the last 25 years. And you have Liger to thank a lot of that. And I do. I, I thank him every time because, you know, I tell, I've always been like a junior heavyweight girl. I've never been a heavyweight girl so like I always make it a point to support that division as much as I can uh, regardless of any company um, if we're talking about you know anyone from like Australia the UK uh, even NXT or WWE I've always or in Canada I've always made it a point to support that division mm. just because just because the style um, of wrestling as far as when it comes to junior heavyweights and when I reference the style, I mean, it's not just the style goes based on the performer and you actually get to see the performer shine and all their strong train, like their strong aspects, they're strong, like, you know, whatever they have, like the best training experience, you actually get to see like Lucha Libre style, Japanese strong style, you get to see British strong style. It's, or, you know, sometimes you get a combination of all of them. 
which is very, you know, very rare. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Liger always will mean a lot to me because I know how much he innovated that division and how much he's done. Even though I, even though I did, you know, as, as a bullet club girl, I was rooting for those horns to be cut off, but deep down inside, you know, if we're talking non kayfabe, you know, he will always mean a lot to me. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, as well, he also devised the J crown. Now this was something very special indeed. Eight. Yes, it was. Eight men in a tournament, every one of them a champion. He at the time was the British Commonwealth champion, a belt devised by Michinoku Pro and shared with the FWA, I think it was, or a promotion in the UK whose name I can't remember. But anyway, everyone had a, <laughs> and everyone had a championship and all the belts were defended in every match. Now, there wasn't minor issue for Weiger, as these things go. He was actually diagnosed with a brain tumour, which is the reason why he only lasted four seconds in the opening match against Ultimo Dragon, because he had to go and have brain surgery the following day. Um, um, and August of 1996. Indeed. No, 1996. Yes, 1996. Uh, unfortunately, I, I know, because I wrote it. Oh, there you go. Uh, unfortunately <laughs> for him, uh, but he has thankfully survived. The brain tumour is gone and has not been come back into remission. Uh, but, you know, we are very lucky to, to have kept him. He has had some scares as well. I mean, as well, mm-hmm. round about this time of the career, he had to have a year off after absolutely shattering his ankle after doing that baseball slide and catching his foot on the actual ring apron and uh, causing himself a massive injury with a shattered ankle. Uh, it took about a year for him to recover from that as well. So he's had some yeah. set career. But the fact that he has been such a consistently good performer, even through these trials and tribulations, is a testament to the man's will and his wrestling ability. He yeah, did around- yes. Sorry, I was going to say, he oh, did no. around time slow down a little bit and change his style. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I was actually going to talk about that too. So, is that he just basically he incorporated, you know, a lot more grappling at the time. Um, he did up, you know, he did change and update his move set. So, I mean, he just basically evolved as a performer. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. He, he overcame, you know, as far as that brain tumor sur- um, surgery. You know, and all the medical issues that he did have, he never really quit. He just constantly, you know, basically just changed and updated. He moved with the times. And, I mean, you can, I would say you could definitely agree with me on that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it would be hard to disagree with you on that. Everything he did was, everything he's done really has been awesome. And, of course... Uh, in this time period, the biggest thing for him was Monday Nitro. He, him and Brian Pillman uh, had a WCW light, sorry, Cruiserweight Championship match as the opener on Brian Pillman, uh, on the opener on the very first Monday Nitro from uh, the shopping mall of name, I forget. <laughs> Is it Great Falls Shopping Mall? Something along that. It was somewhere in Minnesota. It was this big barge of consumerism that they had a wrestling show in. And, of course, the big surprise that night was Lex Luger coming back to WCW. You had Hogan, Sting versus Flair, the quintessential main event of any WCW show. But it was opened by Justin Liger versus Brian Pillman. And Kevin Sullivan has gone on record as saying the reason why he booked that match, he was the uh, show producer at the time, the reason why he booked that match was because 
He said, I wanted to get fan buzz going. And I knew that they would have a great technical wrestling match that would change the way people thought about pro wrestling. And that's the reason why he put it on first. He wanted that, what we call it now, the internet buzz, the internet wrestling community buzz, the IWC buzz. But it was really looking at that dirt sheet buzz back in the day. He was trying to create some word of mouth for Nitro, for for Monday Nitro as it developed. What are your thoughts on that as a choice? And what did it do for Liger's career? Oh, I, I absolutely agree. It's, um, I think, you know, and like I said, you know, that not that particular match with WCW is what introduced me to Liger, but I can agree, you know, as an analyst, as, you know, a person, you know, that does reviews with you, you know, we've been doing this for how long in the True Petty Show? You, me, whatever. Me and you, about just over a year, I think. Yeah, over a year. Um, I, I would have, if I would have saw, let's say I saw this card now, and like, let's pretend it's, you know, 92, 93. Talk about the early 90s, I mean, you were having this conversation. I would definitely analyze it and say, yes, that you know, that is completely accurate. It would have been, you know, a great technical match to open up with. And, you know, even if you go back and watch the video to that match. I mean, you could tell that that crowd was not sure what they were getting into, but as soon as they got into it, you know, let's, let's be honest, you know, that, that house was on fire. Like, like, you know, they were just ecstatic and they were thrilled. And I thought it was a great opening match. If we're going to go based on the card of that time. Yeah, it was, it was something special. Definitely something special to see. Um, and all the way through that Monday night era, he would make important appearances, wrestling Rey Mysterio Jr. on pay-per-view. His relationship with WCW is very strong. Sorry, Karen. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to actually bring that up. I was also going to bring up Ultimo Dragon, too. Yes, Tokyo Dome, Ultimo Dragon, still one of the greatest wrestling matches you will ever see. I watched it not long ago with my dad. We had it on videotape, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> um it, we have it. There used to be a show in Europe on Eurosport called Ring Warriors, which was New Japan tapes with English commentary on long before Access TV did it. And it was Oliver Humperdinck and Gordon Soley. And you actually, it was actually probably my favorite ever commentary team because they were outstanding. Um, and it was Tokyo Dome. It was Jushin Liger versus Ultimo Dragon. And it was just astoundingly good. Just so, so good. It was so crisp. It was so dramatic. They clearly liked each other, which sometimes really works in a wrestling match. They were mm-hmm. not trying to do each other. They were just trying to put things together for the fans. And it flowed yeah. well. There, there were so many good matches in the 90s for Liger. I mean, you had Great Muda. You had... Um, who else did you have? Ultimate Dragon. Um, even though this was like 2000s, and I'm skipping ahead, I really enjoyed Liger and Sema. But then again, it's because I'm, I'm a huge Sema fan, too. So there, <laughs> so that worked out to my benefit. But yeah, there were so many good matches in the nineties. Oh there my was- god! I mean, all through the nineties. I mean, I'm talking about from like '92 all the way to like 2000. Yes, there was. It, it, it was insane matches at the time. You know, there, there was a couple of people he probably didn't get to wrestle in that era very often. Takamichi Noka would be one, just because mm-hmm. things weren't right. Because Taka always worked for FMW linked companies and. Uh, Liger was always on the New Japan thing and those two things very rarely crossed over um, but yeah he, he was, it was just insane Like every, it was the 
absolute golden era for junior heavyweight wrestling. But maybe getting close to it again now, we're kind of at that level at the moment. I know. Um, it's, it's like the best time because I get to tell everyone to suck it that it was good. <laughs> But, you know, your heavyweight is not going to be a thing anymore in New Japan. I'm like, yes, it will. It will. You watch. I believe if I believe in it hard enough, it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, I mean, as well, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, the the time it was really under threat was the early 2000s. Ricky Chosi took over as lead booker for New Japan Pro Wrestling and decided to kind of like disregard the junior heavyweights. And you still have people like El Samurai, who's are objectively one of the best junior heavyweights that ever lived, and Shinji Otani and uh, Koji awesome. Kanemoto. Fantastic yeah. match, El Samurai, 1992, April yeah. 30th. Very true. That's outstanding match. You also have people like Dave Finley III, as in David Finley's dad. <laughs> yeah. And guests, minor guests like Negro Casas and Eddie, Eddie Guerrero as Tiger Mask 2. Uh, sorry, Black Tiger 2. You know, this was, like, awesome, as well as Chris Benoit and Black Cat and a few other people who are sadly no longer with us. However, this was just this was just the regular New Japan roster before you brought in all these guests. This is how yeah. good it was. Dean Malenko, another one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, Malenko was in there. Literally, no one sucked. Everyone could have been classed as a top five junior heavyweight in any era. Three or four of them are the greatest of all time. And this was a regular thing on a regular basis. Two Cold Scorpio was there. You know, this was, this was hot, hot wrestling. Uh, wrestling's hottest point in the early 90s. It was insane. Um, and then, like we said, we get to the 2000s, though. Chosu comes in as lead booker and kind of downplays what the junior heavyweights are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, like, screws things up for Liger because there's yeah. no way he's going to make it as a heavyweight, is there? <laughs> yeah. Well, we got no respect. For a long time. No respect for the junior heavyweights. The no. disrespect. And then yeah. and then even currently, like in the past three, four years, there is still no respect. We're so disrespected. Now we're just finally getting to a place, I think. I think this year it's it's a really good place for junior heavyweight wrestling. At least for that division. I think I mean, so. Yeah, I think finally. You've kind of you've cleared out a lot of issues that were there with uh, no knock on Kenny Omega and Prince Devitt and those guys, but they were clearly heavyweights that overshot the mark. I mean, Kenny said he didn't want to be a junior heavyweight when he went to New Japan. He wanted to be heavyweight straight off, but they needed to help. hell with Kenneth. <laughs> let me finish. Let me finish. I he know was, you're not fine. He was, he's just, he was, uh, he was such a good junior heavyweight and just, God, he's a succubus, Okay. I will say it. He's a fucking succubus. He sucks the life out of you. That's why he became a heavyweight. To continue okay. sucking the life out of people. But right. anyways. Okay. Moving on. Um, moving on. Let's not talk yeah. about Kenneth because he, he killed. I'm sorry. It's just like I felt. The reason why I get upset. You know, I'm not knocking Kenny down or anything. Or the elite. Because. In all actuality, they, they did make my career as to what it is, you know, now. And in an in aspect, they did help me become who I am. I will say that. But I never was, and I will always say it, I never was really into heavyweights. Mm. Um, 
just based on the style set. Not that there's anything wrong with heavyweight wrestling. There isn't. It's just, it was never my, um, what's the terminology? It was never my forte, you know? It was never... Yeah, and like, not your cup of tea. It was never, not necessarily my cup of tea, but it was never my expertise. Yeah, yeah. And And you and I always talk about that. It was never really my expertise, so that's why when you and I do any type of reviews for New Japan... That's why I don't really say much about the heavyweight division because it's not my expertise. But I can say as an analyst, hey, you had a good match. The storyline was great. I could tell, you know, your moveset was on point. You know, I could tell, you know, what you were going for storyline-wise. I could tell you're in ring psychology. I could tell you put thought into the match. I can say that as an analyst. But heavyweight division, heavyweight wrestling was never my, it's not my expertise. My expertise is junior heavyweight or cruiserweight, whatever style you want to call it, whatever you want to, whatever terminology you want to to use, cruiserweight, uh, junior heavyweight, it doesn't matter. It's the same division. It's just the matter of where you're competing. Um, I just felt like after Kenny left the junior heavyweight division and went to heavyweight, it really, and I'm not saying the division revolved like revolved around him, but I felt like it took a lot of the light away from that division to where it was just all about him in New yeah. Japan, and that's how I felt. And you could, I, I, could I, do the same with Devitt as well. Maybe less so with Devitt, but it became a vehicle for him to don't be. Don't you ever I'm talk not, about Berg? I'm not knock. I'm not knocking Devitt, but that's the way it seemed to be at the time. It did an awful lot for the junior heavyweights under him when Sayori Sukutaguchi beat him um, at New Beginnings. It catapulted Taguchi onto that run with Kenny Omega. But you know what I'm saying is, it still didn't feel it. It didn't organic. do damage. Yeah, it didn't feel organic. It felt like it was yeah. being. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? I'm not being. Yeah. It, it was necessary to make Devitt seem great, which he was. And it wasn't a bad thing. I'm not being negative towards it. But it didn't necessarily do the juniors a favor at the time. Well, also, who, uh, also we have to remember Devitt was also slightly trained by Liger as well when he went to the dojo. Yes, we do. And we can talk about that. Not only was, uh, not only was Devitt um, trained by Liger in the dojo, he was also part of his faction from about 2004 to 2007, the con- Control Terrorism Unit, Hiroki okay. Goto, Nori Tanaka, Black Tiger 4, Gedo, Jado, Prince Devitt, and James Gibson, better known to wrestling fans around the world as Jamie Noble. Mm-hmm. A junior heavyweight, uh, what's the word? Um, mafia. <laughs> um, yeah. You had essentially... Yeah. Yeah the world's most dangerous tag team in Ghetto and Jeddo, the best junior heavyweight mm-hmm. tag team arguably that ever lived. Um, you had... Oh, wait, they are still one of the best tag teams. They are still together to this day. Hmm. Um. Not, <laughs> I'm just... They, I mean, that's how... I'm just saying, like, they still work together, which is hilarious. It's just, it's crazy, like, how close, like... Oh, yeah, As yeah. a tag team, they are. And I and I mean that in a, in a positive way. It's like, you don't... There aren't very many tag teams you could say that are that have been together as long as those two have. Almost to the point where they are like brothers and they are so close that people even think that they're brothers, but they're not. Yeah. It it's 
Uh, yeah, it is. Then it is part of the deal. They they are a learning tree. You know, any any unit they are. If you go look back and look at these matches from the early two thousands, oh, they were uh, so good. How to get over as a tag team? You know, by this point, Ghetto and Jeddo had a long run in FMW. They'd worked in uh, IWA. They worked in um, Wing in Mexico in UWA. Yes, they, they did. knew what they. Yeah, which is one of the reasons what makes them great bookers is they know everything from every wrestling promotion everywhere because they've yeah. been everywhere. And Goto learned a lot in this particular time period. Snarker was the badass shooter that they needed to make it all seem realistic. Uh, mm-hmm. Black Tiger War was, of course, um, Rocky Romero. Again, another protege of Jushin Liger. It it all works out, you know. It all works um, as like these are the guys that essentially run the company now. You know, they're the senior members of the company. Certainly, yeah. and Ghetto and you know um, Minoru Tanaka is still working for Wrestle One. He's still a, a, a big draw for them. Hiroki Goto is a main event of the New Japan Pro Wrestling, and of course mm-hmm. Prince David is now NXT. In, in, yeah, so this this unit is sent down for professional wrestling for the next twenty years. Um, it's not unfair to say that, and uh, the way that this company has developed in the junior heavyweight division has essentially mirrored what Liger has done. These guys have gone off and done incredible things as, as part of that unit, and you know he did turn face again as well. He was mm-hmm. also been part of other factions too. He was part of the original NWO in Japan. You know, when you had the Black Liger. <laughs> we yeah. have, of course, development of the Kishin Liger theme as well. Kishin Liger is the person that comes out when things are really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, my favorite bad uh, Kishin Liger feud was with Bad Boy Hido uh, in New Japan. The story was that Hido cut a piece of Liger's hair and Liger vowed revenge, so he transformed into Kishin Liger. Like won the match of the Brain Buster on a steel chair, and they also went a street fight for FNW, I think, not FNW, for one of the, uh, maybe in BJW. Uh, mm-hmm. Bad Boy Hedo, I love just because his name Bad Boy Hedo, because that's, that's awesome. He does everything. <laughs> also married to Megumi Kudo, he has a very beautiful wife with the best hair in wrestling news. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, Where yeah, are we at now? I, Your wife? We're kind of in the mid-2000s. Um, okay. Uh, you know he's. he's CTU kind of like, was like 2004, right? Yeah. So after that, it kind of turns face again, and then he's just becomes a mentor figure in the junior heavyweight division. Does have a tag title run with Tiger Mask Four, a man he brought into New Japan from Chinooku Pro um, mm-hmm. in 2012. They lost the title to Alex Kozlov and Rocky Romero, the Forever Hooligans. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I know where we're at now. We're, we're in. Like, 2012? Are we in 2012 now? Seven years ago. He was still a championship material wrestler seven years ago. And since then, he's won titles Rocky too. Rocky was still good. Rocky's still Rocky. good to this day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You. Anyway, uh, he did win the NWA. How, are you saying Rocky is not a good wrestler anymore? Is that what you're saying? Rocky is a fantastic wrestler. Um, anyway, Jushin Liger did win the NWA Heavyweight Championship from a wrestler. What's his name? Oh, yes. Chase Owens of Bullet Club. Uh, Chase did win it back, but anyway. Yeah, he did beat Chase Owens for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. He did have GHC. That, that, was, a, that was an easy win for him, I'm sure. I've seen that. <laughs> Definitely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was easy. <laughs> okay, maybe it wasn't. 
I will but, point out though that Chase Owens became New Japan ready wrestling Jushin Liger, and he shut his mouth and opened his eyes and learned how to be a New Japan wrestler very very quickly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he did. I'll agree it, with you on that. On that. Yeah, I, Chase Owens before then was a Southern wrestler who happened to drop lucky with the growth of the NWA and so was NWA junior heavyweight champion and got to wrestle all these guys and got to wrestle and defend the title of the feud with Liger and his growth was immediate and it was New Japan who took notice of here's this guy who's not on the radar for anybody else and he's really good and he's the kind of utility guy we need let's keep him so they did um, and he's had an outstanding year since he signed with them I'd like to see a bit more of a push for Chase as you know uh, but that's Anywho, um, yeah, there was, of course, you know, championship matches with Kushida. We're really br- brushing the surface here with what Liger's done in his career. He's been such a great wrestler, and he's been such a great asset to the New Japan uh, Dojo and the New Japan Company. He's had time in Ring of Honor, of course, as well. TNA, CMLL. He basically isn't a co- WWE. There isn't a company he hasn't worked for anywhere in the world, I think. And after 35 years, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page accomplishments. World Heavy Middleweight Championship twice, All-Star Wrestling. CMLL Universal Champion, World Middleweight Champion, World Tag Team Champion with Hiroshi Tanahashi, no less. Mm-hmm. Open mm-hmm. the Gate Dreamgate Champion. Jersey All Pro Light Heavyweight Champion. British Commonwealth Junior Heavyweight Champion, Super J Cup winner. NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion twice. I think IWG- he's a two-time Super J Cup winner. Yes, he's a two-time Super J Cup winner. And you go through this list, Young Lions Cup winner, top best of Super Juniors in 92, 94, 2001. He was Booker for only one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Just one. WWA World Junior Light Heavyweight Champion, UWA, NWA World Welterweight Champion in Mexico. Did we see Dragon Gate? Did we we mention Dragon Gate? Okay, I wasn't sure. Sorry. IWGP Heavyweight Champion six times. (laughs) Um, see we've got 2017 British J-Cup we've got um, we've got Noah I mean I think he's had three different championships with Noah yeah all of them he's at the NWE he won the tag team junior heavyweight championship the junior tag team championship with Tiger Mask and the tag league with Tiger Mask but probably the most noticeable and most important are those 11 IWGP junior heavyweight reigns, which ranks him as the yep. most the successful most. heavyweight champion in a record run of 11 title wins, which will probably never be equal because no one will be ace for that long in any company anywhere. The, I he, think the only person closest uh, statistic-wise, I think, if we're talking days of how long he's held like that title on and off, I think the second closest is Devitt. Yeah, and he's just... It's, He's just so insanely good, and it is going to be so sad to see him leave. The 11-time IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, and let's say... Innovator of wrestling. The greatest junior heavyweight that ever lived. And And, and probably ever will. Yes, I think we will not see his like again, but thankfully he's going to stick around and work in the dojo with young boys. So that's going to be very fruitful in the future. For those of you interested, there will be three days of his retirement. There is Wrestle Kingdom Day 1. On Saturday of this week, Wrestle Kingdom Day 2 on Sunday of this week, and of course New Year's Dash on the Monday, uh, which will be his retirement match. He will wrestle three, two matches on the weekend and say his farewell in the Tokyo Dome, where he debuted in 1998 as Jushin yeah. Thunder. Any last thoughts on uh, the Thunder God for us there, Ash? 
no, no, it's just, I can't believe we're already here. I can't, I remember just writing the announcement and how sad I was back in the day, you know, when you and I both worked at Still Chair together. Yes. I remember I was really sad, but I was very honored to write that. I will say that I was, I was very honored that I actually got to write that for Still Chair, you know, regardless of the stipulations and this, you know, just the, the disagreements I had there, I was still very, very much honored to write that for the UK. Um, I just can't believe we're already here. I like, I just, I, you know, I remember writing that like it was yesterday. I just, I just can't believe it. Like we're right around the corner. We are less than a week away this time tomorrow. He will already have his penultimate match. Oh, so this time, this time next week, he will have his penultimate match. And this time tomorrow next week, he will have his final match. And I can't wait to see what he does in his retirement. Here's one closing yeah. for you. The front door of the, of the New Japan Dojo has a brass plaque, which is a cast of the lion's head mark, which was cast by Jushin Liger in his rookie year when he arrived in that dojo. They're nearly rejected. He loves New Japan Pro Wrestling. He loves junior heavyweight wrestling. And he loves pro wrestling. And some of the best Just... matches of this year have been known as Jushin Liger. And he's still a productive member of the roster. Yeah. Yes, Ash? Sorry. Just like me. I love New Japan. I love junior heavyweight wrestling. Oh. I'm Are you very crying sad. Oh, I sorry. am. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm very. Actually, I'm very emotional. Because. Oh. Because I'm very. I'm. I'm very sad. <laughs> I am very sad. I get. Um. It's no secret. I get very. Very emotional when it comes to New Japan, because. Whether people know it or, or not, you know, New Japan has done a lot for me. As it does a lot for me too. So and. The junior heavyweight division will always mean a lot to me, and it it makes me really sad. I mean, I'm I'm not sad in the aspect of like, you know, I don't want him to retire, but I'm. It's not sadness. It's just more like I can't I can't believe you know we're here, like finally. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. Right then, we will have to call it for today, but we hope you enjoy Wrestle Kingdom season. We will be back next week. We'll be hopefully be looking at Wrestle Kingdom night one if everything goes together and we can find the people to do it. And I have the time to watch everything. Take care. Happy New Year. Thank you very much for listening today. My name is James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find Ash where? You can find me on Twitter and social media as L Ghost Mama. You can find both me and James at IEPWZ. That's Indie Empire Professional Wrestling Zine. Um, we shortened it. I think it's a great short. Um, if you can't get a hold of me, you can find my 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 number two, who also helps me and James pretty much run everything. That's Courtney, the Blade Queen. You can find her at um blade queen xii as well or just read our twitter feed and you could see her there yes she's she's always about usually cracking jokes and thanks man anyhow thank you very much for listening to the show at troopany show on twitter you can find us on the troopany show on facebook and the troopany show on patreon where you can keep us free forever free. for forever. everyone everyone forever. pro wrestling for everyone
And yes. uh, Power Slam TV, use the code uh, Mullet Watch. That's the one. Yes. Also, in the Empire Magazine, uh, you can find us there too. But they also sponsor us, so please go and support them. We'll be back with telling stories tomorrow, which may also be LIGO related. I'll have to see what I've got in the archive. Take care and see you soon. Wrestle Bye. Kingdom is stays away. Bye. Goodbye. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv.